Hello and welcome to So You Think You Can Rule Persia, the podcast where we rate and review all the kings of Persia from Diochis to Yazdegerd III. I'm Serial and my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Umberto and my pronouns are he, him. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 45, Frates the Fourth. Serial, we're inching ever closer to the halfway point, which I think will be either next episode or the one after that, depending on if I'm going to add a new king in my research but we're getting close that's really exciting actually i can't believe like i can't believe we're at halfway (laughs) that feels feels like it hasn't (laughs) like i expected it to be very long so it it feels like we haven't been doing this for that long i mean it's been like a bit more than a year so it's been a year yeah it's been a while interesting anyway okay excited about it (laughs) what are we to expect like is this like a cool episode or is this because you know it's been mildly infuriating lately (laughs) um i mean last episode was good last episode we destroyed the romans that was fun yes that was i enjoyed sad bits Mm. but hey this time we get to see what happens to the son that was chosen at random because his father was just too depressed to actually choose somebody properly yeah, when you have a favorite child, you know, and yeah, that child yeah. is not available to fulfill all of the wishes and hopes and dreams that you have thrust upon them, which, to be fair, the child seemed to be, you know, happy to fulfill. But yeah. uh, all right, well, yeah, we'll see what that does to the mind of a young prince and if everything is going to be fine and totally okay. Wait, how old? How old is he? He's in his 40s. Okay, okay, okay. So not like a teenager. I was scared yeah, for a Yeah, he's not a teenager. He's, you know, his father died in his 80s or something. So yeah, that's true, fine, that's true. But, you know, still not great. But yeah, so I guess we could just quickly recap what happened last time, since it's been a couple of weeks because of the Patreon episode. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Subscribe to Patreon. But yeah, so last episode was Arodes the Second. Where, if you remember, he murdered his father, started a civil war with his brother, took the throne, managed to keep the throne. The civil war turned into the invasion of Crassus into Mesopotamia. Crassus was defeated, seven legions annihilated by the Parthians. Hooray, hooray, great victory. After a few years, there was an attempt at an invasion of the Roman East, taking the Levant and Anatolia and trying to add those to the Parthian Empire. But then... The Romans came and took all those territories back, bringing us to the border on the Euphrates, which is what we had originally. Right. And in this last invasion, Rhodes' son and heir, Pacorus, died, was killed in battle. Yay. And Rhodes was so racked with grief that he just chose his eldest son to succeed him and abdicated the throne because he was done. Yeah, he kind of went like, okay, you will do. I don't care anymore. Yes. What is even the point? Which, yeah, like, I understand. A tough time. But also, come on. I don't know. Like, yeah. Ooh, responsibilities. I understand. But when the lives of millions depend on you. Yeah, you exactly. Maybe think about it a bit more. But we'll get to see today if Frates IV was a good choice 
as a successor or if he just does terribly. Mm. So, let's start. Phraates IV was the son of Orodes II, and he was a younger brother of Pacorus. So, he was the next oldest, and we don't really have a birth date, but somewhere in the late 70s, early 80s, BC seems like a reasonable time, which would make mm. him roughly early 40s when he came to the throne. One of the few true early 70s, late 80s, as in literally yes, exactly. the year 70 BC. <laughs> yes, we're getting close to like single digit dates. We're actually getting into single digit dates this episode. Uh, so okay, cool. Have fun with that. Yeah, but as we mentioned before, Pacorus was Orodes' favorite son and was always expected to lead. He was groomed to become king. Hmm. So when Pacorus died in battle, Orodes just said, Yeah, sure, you'll do, Phraates. Hmm. Yes, you're the son of a concubine, not the son of a queen. Yes, you're not terribly popular. Yes, I don't really care much for you, oh, but God. sure, you'll do. I'm whatever. sure this set him up for success. <laughs> yeah, it's like Everyone I mean, you're not your brother, this. and you'll never be your brother. Yeah, you'll never be Boromir. I wish you had died instead of him, but oh well. I guess we're doing this now. Yeah, not great. Like at least if you have to do this, at least you could like you know give him some sort of. <laughs> what is the English verb for alentar? Give him some pep a pep talk. Well, to to like motivate him, you know, to like give him yeah. some. But yeah, so we're going to have to see how he deals with that. Mm. Because, well, in 38 BC, Orodes abdicates the throne in favor of his son, who then becomes king. And we mentioned it briefly last time, but there are two different events here. First of all, either Phraates killed his father, Orodes, after he had abdicated, just to make sure that he didn't think to return to the throne at some point, mm. or change his mind and appoint a different heir. Fair. Or Orodes just died of heartbreak shortly after because he was an old man, he was tired, he was depressed. Yeah, I mean, 50% heartbreak, 50% just old age, I guess. Like, I don't think at this point you need a definite cause for the death. Yeah. I mean, by which I mean, like, it's very weird. I, I guess this is not the podcast to go into <laughs> yeah. this conversation, but like, quote-unquote natural causes is such a weird concept to me because, like, either everything is natural... Like, I know it it refers to, like, not, like, an external, like, accident or something. But, like, the accident doesn't kill you. The, like, blood loss does, right? That, like... Yeah. I don't know. Blood's a natural cause. <laughs> Murder's a natural cause. But, like, <laughs> what do you consider natural causes? And, like, there are some things that wouldn't be considered natural causes before and, like, earlier in life, but then they are later in life. And, like, it's such a weird terminology. Weird. I feel like the spirit is, after a short disease, you were old and you died. Yeah. I feel like that's the vague, airy definition. Fair enough. Given. But, yeah, Orodes is dead. Shame. Sad. He was kind of nice. But now Phraates is in charge of the Empire. What do you think is the first thing he does? Kill his father. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he already did that, maybe. Make coins, <laughs> tell, tell everybody he that he is king. Make sure that everyone knows that he is king. I don't know, the usual, let's not get immediately deposed shtick. Yeah, he does that by making sure that nobody forgets that he is king. He executes all of his brothers. All right. of them are dead. 
no matter the age. I was going done. to be shocked, but we've seen this before. With yeah. like Darius, I f- I think. I think Art Darius. I think Artaxerxes three. Yeah, no, Artaxerxes sorry. All his brothers, but yeah. I feel like Darius did something with the story, but like Darius just rewrote history. So Darius whatever. killed a lot of people. Yeah. It happens. <laughs> But yeah, so Phraates kills all of his brothers just to ensure that since he was the son of a concubine, just chosen because he was older, mm-hmm. not because of capabilities, right, right. he makes sure that there are no alternatives. <laughs> Even if you're regretting it, that you can't do anything about it anymore. True. I mean, it's the right move. I don't condemn yeah. fratricide, but it is the right Condone. move. If, you know, society works this way. Yeah, also some people say that he may have killed his eldest son, who was in his early 20s, but that's only one source out of others. Who knows? He may or may not have. Hmm. And also, when the blood mist clears, (laughs) he looks around to all the nobles in the Empire and makes sure to have warrants for the arrest of everybody who didn't support him. Right. Because he wants to damn well make sure that there wasn't going to be a crisis. There were people who didn't support him? Because, like, this was the king's choice. It's not that he decided, like, he murdered his father and then he was like, I am king now. And then there's people who, like, don't support him. But it was the literal king was like, this is what we're doing now. I feel like it wasn't so much nobles disagreeing with that. It was more nobles saying, oh, he killed all his brothers and we don't know who this guy is. Is everybody cool with this? Can we I not see. So after the fact. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Everybody slightly nervously glancing around, saying, "Mm, do we really want him to be king? Mm. And, well, one of these nobles decided to flee somewhere, Serial. Can you guess? Pick a random direction. Oh my god, please not Rome. (laughs) Yes, Rome. God, why do people keep going to Rome? We just crush them, too. Like, yeah. I don't know how many more times this is going to happen in the future, but, like, we just did that. Why? Yeah, but they recently killed our prince. It was a thing. It was a lot. But the great news is that in the East, it looks like there's a new Dionysus. Oh, yeah, of course. New, new gods just happen, you know. Yes. The new Dionysus has married Isis and given birth to the sun and moon. Oh, Egypt. Our good old friend Antony right. is now in Syria. Because Dionysus is the god you want to rule i mean yeah of course little aside for people who might not be as familiar with ancient greek mythology dionysus was the god of bacchanals of wine and theater and essentially drug-induced madness and good times and many other things too but uh, you know not the most stable i love dionysus i'm a big fan but like perhaps not who you should choose to rule an empire. That's just my take. Yeah. Also, Dionysus is strongly associated with our old friend Alex. Alexander the Great took upon Guess why? Took Dionysus as his image. <laughs> um. Because Dionysus was a great explorer and the man who spread civilization far and wide, spreading the knowledge of wine. And, well, Antony also likes wine. Antony likes punching stuff. Antony enjoys sex. Yeah. Why not? Cool. Let's do this. Just, you know, the unhingedness is like what they're choosing to <laughs> push forward. Yeah. Also, Augustus is having his whole Apollo thing going on. Of course, so of course. they kind of need to compare and contrast. But, well, this Parthian noble arrives to Mark Antony and says, Dear Mr. Antony, 
mark, if you will. Yes. There's been some trouble in Parthia. Would you mind helping out? I know you're a power-hungry man. Would you like power? We also have money. Would you like both of those things? And Antony's very interested, because what would be the best thing to show that punk Octavian who's really the boss? If not conquering Parthia, taking back the Legion standards of Crassus, becoming obscenely rich, and then marching back on Rome as a bloodstained conqueror. Sounds good to me. Well, of course, we need to go to Parthia now. And, well, Antony had an old friend. You may have heard of him. His name was Julius Caesar. Ah, right. Him. Yeah, and, well, just before being brutally stabbed to death, Caesar had made plans to invade Parthia. Guess who has those plans now and can follow them to the letter? Hmm. Good old Mark Antony. He dusts off a few pages that say, My plans for invading Parthia. And he starts gathering a large army to make sure that, well, Crassus was one time. He was incompetent. But now Antony is here. He's going to take care of everything. So Antony gathers up 16 legions, which is nine legions more than Crassus had, because he wants to make extra sure that nothing is left alive. And Antony marches against Phraates with the escaped nobles from Parthia, guiding him through the territory so that they can show him this is the best road, this is, be careful for ambushes here, all that. And this time, unlike what they did with Crassus, they've decided not to pass through the Euphrates and the center of Mesopotamia, but to, to pass through Armenia, as they're going to do forever and ever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, in Armenia, the, the local king was originally a subject of Herodes II, but seems to have seen this these 16 legions and decided that maybe he wanted to side with the Romans now. Thank you very much. So he opens his gates wide to Antony, says, here, march through my valleys, and also brings a contingent of cavalry just to make sure that, hey, he's shown to be helping out. So that's nice. Also, apparently one of the officers on campaign wrote an account of it, so we have the information of it. So we know, yes, where did you go? What happened? How did this whole invasion play out? Okay, so Antony's marching through Armenia, heading towards Parthia. And it's at this point that Phraates sends a letter off to the defected nobles. Jessica comes over with this letter to the defected nobles in Antony's camp and says, Hey, listen, if you come back and stop guiding the Romans, I will grant you full amnesty. You'll be able to be entirely free and you can come home. What do you say? What do you say? Yes. So, well, what do you think, Serial? Do you think the nobles take Ferrati's up on this deal? Or do you think they just say, no, you're a psycho. Let's not do this. <laughs> um, I mean, based on how you're <laughs> phrasing it, probably they said, mm, let's just not, you know. Well, no, they do. Oh, heck. They actually do. You madman. I like how yes. you think. <laughs> you son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> But yeah, apparently all the nobles go back over to Phraates and they tell him all about the Roman preparations, all about how Antony's army is organized, all about what the plans are, all about how the invasion is meant to go. So much so, in such exquisite detail, that certain historians suggest that maybe these nobles were just double agents all along that Phraates had just sent to the Romans to make sure that he knew an invasion was coming. At least now he has details. 
But then Jessica comes from the east with a new letter. She says, Hey, bad news. The Xiongnu Confederacy, which may evolve into the Huns in like 400 years, hmm. is planning to invade Bactria and absolutely annihilate everyone. So good luck with that. Hope that's fine. So Frati's is for a while a little bit concerned because he needs to figure out what does he concentrate on. Does he concentrate on massive nomadic threat or on the massive Roman army that's barreling down on him, thirsty for revenge? What would you think, Serial? What would your choice be? I guess I don't really have, like, a good idea of what feels more urgent. Like, what has been causing more Well, the more Romans are problems. closer to the center. Yeah. The Romans are closer to the center of the empire, and the nomads haven't been an issue since Mithridates yeah, II, I was, I was 100 thinking, years so ago. This is the same nomads. These are a different group. The previous ones are okay, gone okay. forever. Yeah, yeah. God, that that's on us. Yeah. yeah. Um, then I guess the Romans, because, like, they're constantly an issue. Okay. Well, Frates would agree with you, because he decides to stand firm and face Antony head on. Yeah, makes sense. It's at that point that he receives a new letter from Jessica. Hmm. It says, oh, by the way, false alarm about the nomads. Oh. Turns out the Chinese emperor just in- attacked them and killed their leader, and now their confederacy's collapsed. Oh. So everything is fine now. <laughs> okay, well, good Good that we chose this way. Yeah, huh? good that you didn't have to spend all the time going east and doing, yeah. dealing with all that. that. Sucked. You're now ready. But yeah, so now in the west, we have that Antony is marching into the Parthian territory of Media Atropatene, which is basically the western bit of Media, roughly corresponding to modern Azerbaijan. And this is ruled by a vassal king of Frates, who is in a very strong central city, which has big old powerful walls. And, well, Antony knows about this. He's heard that these walls are formidable. So he has a massive 25-meter-long battering ram built to break down the city walls. I mean, that's one way to do it. (laughs) Yes. He has decided that he doesn't want to take any chances. He will destroy the city if he has to. Problem is, it's really heavy and (laughs) takes a lot to carry. uh, I don't want to... And like, this is ridiculous. If you need to carry it, you're going to be really slow and it's going to be really boring and Antony just really wants to be there already. It's going to be a whole thing. Listen, how about I leave two legions with the battering ram and I take the other 14 legions and march to start besieging the city. You guys reach us whenever you're done. Good. Good. Also, of course, Plutarch tells us that Antony was rushing because he wanted to return to Cleopatra as soon as possible because he was under her spell and ooh, scary eastern woman. So that's, that's a thing mm. you can add on. <laughs> At this point, Frates is a little bit concerned about the massive amount of 14 legions. That's concerning. He doesn't have that many men. He has a royal army. It's around. But, you know, he's not confident in facing them head on. So what does he decide to do? Well, he heard that there's a juicy target of a massive battering ram and two isolated legions that are far, far away from everyone else. And he thinks... That sounds good. Let's go there. Let's kill all of them. Mm. And yeah, so he marched on the slow-moving ram and his escort, and by the time Antony receives news of this, 
The only thing his scouts found were the bodies of 10,000 Romans that were killed and a ram that had been recently set on fire and was just ash. Welp. So, so much for the battering ram. I hope you didn't need siege weapons for your siege. Also, at the same time, the king of Armenia freaked out and decided, oh no, this was a bad idea, and ran away back to Armenia, leaving Antony abandoned and without any guides. Fun. All the while, Phraates is all around. So Antony is left without any siege engines. Fine. The only thing he's trying to attempt is to build a ramp of earth up to the walls so the men can just run up it. Okay. And at the same time, Phraates is using good old traditional Parthian tactics by making sure that any Roman soldier that leaves the camp, if they have to go to the bathroom, if they have to get some supplies, if they need to scout for Parthian soldiers, nobody who leaves the encampment returns. So I hope you packed enough supplies for the whole siege. Otherwise, you're all screwed. Not only that, but it looks like a lot of the Romans were starting to try and desert. How do you think Antony tried to deal with deserters? You killed them. How did he try to keep up morale of the army and make sure that they didn't abandon him? See, this is a trick question. Because <laughs> I was going to be like, he decimated people. But I don't think that's a great way to keep up morale. But then again, it's Mark well, Anthony, so he decimated yeah. people. He did decimate people. He decimated the ones who did not run away, which... Yes, I, he does. This is... <laughs> Anthony. <laughs> Dear. Yeah. How does this help? Yeah, Anthony decided to kill one in ten of his men. Presumably cutting down like a full legion. Because <laughs> he had 14 legions left. And if you kill one in ten men, that's a lot of people. Yeah. But I guess now people are encouraged to not run away? Possibly? <sighs> the neurons that day were not present. <laughs> they weren't working, no. Yeah, somebody else had charge of the one neuron yeah. that Mark Antony had. But there weren't rosy perspectives for Frates as well, because his army isn't fully professional. Like, there's a professional core, but a lot of his men are just... You know, they have day jobs. And with winter getting closer and closer, these people are getting restless and would like to go back home and make sure that everything is taken care of and everything is in order. So it's a bit of a race at who blinks first and which of the two is going to agree to fix things. Well, Antony broke first. He decided to send a peace delegation to Phraates and see what happens. Antony's proposal was quite ambitious because he originally asked for Crassus's legion standards and possibly for further negotiations. Mm -hmm. Phraates said, no, we're keeping them, thank you. And also said that Antony can go back home if he wants to. We're not going to harm him, but you need to run away in disgrace. Uh, as you should, yeah, that, you know. Yeah, Antony decided, no, if he was going to retreat, he was going to do it on his own terms and, you know, conquer some things along the way if he can get it. It would be good. It would be great. But apparently during these negotiations, we're told that Phraates was especially intent on showing dominance because when he received the Roman ambassadors, he was sitting on a massive golden throne in his full regalia to make sure that everybody knew who was in charge. Mm hmm and apparently, Phraates had his massive war bow by his side. And while the ambassador was talking, 
Frati's just kept impatiently twanging the bowstring, <laughs> waiting for the guy to finish. What? <laughs> Which is great. I love the image. Disrespectful. <laughs> yes. Like you come into my house, you invade me, and you dare to ask for stuff. No. But good news for Antony, he found another guide. And it looks like it was some guy who claimed to have been a survivor of Crassus's expedition, who had just run away and had been living out here for the last 20 years. And he told Antony, hey, listen, I've been here for 20 years. I would really like to go home, so I'll guide you guys out as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Which is fair enough, honestly. If I've been stranded somewhere far away, I'd like to be able to return home. So this guide decided to take the Romans through the most mountainous areas of the region to avoid the Parthian cavalry and making sure that they couldn't be surrounded by horse archers constantly. And it seems to have worked well enough, although some smaller detachments that Antony sent out, again, as soon as they left the path, they were destroyed and disappeared forever. And apparently, according to one source, the officer who was on the expedition, this is also where the Parthians first encountered the Testudo Formation. Oh, cool. We mentioned earlier, it's basically where Romans make a wall of shields and a roof of shields to make sure that they're protected by arrows. And according to the author, the, the Parthians weren't familiar with it. And when the Romans fell to their knees with the shield to make sure to form the formation, the Parthians thought that they were just falling to their knees for exhaustion. And so they decided to just charge at them, but... They soon turn back when they realize, oh no, this is actually a strong formation. They're not Mm. surrendering or dying. But the downside of the Romans taking the mountainous path is that it was the one with fewer supplies, with less water, and a lot of poisonous plants and animals everywhere. So that wasn't great because, well, the Romans started to starve and they start to die of thirst. And when they tried to eat any wild plants, they were either very, very sick and potentially died sometimes. Or another time, Plutarch tells us that one of these plants had an interesting effect. Oh. Because all the soldiers just dropped to the ground, picked up the nearest rocks they could find, and just rolled them along. Digged rocks up from the ground and just... Rolled them around and was like, whoa. Oh my god. This rock is so cool. <laughs> oh no. Whoa. What did they eat? For for no reason, you know, whatsoever, other than curiosity. <laughs> yeah. Presumably some interesting mushrooms. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it was, they had a great time before throwing up and dying, yeah. reportedly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and our Roman friends continued marching on as their pack animals died. So everybody has to bring their own supplies. Everything's going great. I love yeah. this. Just just wonderful. Also, all the pack animals had our water, and it's too heavy to carry it all. So um, everybody take off your helmets and pour water in it. Good luck surviving. Uh, yeah, I guess. I guess it works. Yeah, but if you have one helmet full of water... For your entire march back through Armenia. Eh. 
Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, Things like, I, I don't, it's obviously not ideal, not great. At least you have sure. a container to carry water with, is what I meant. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't enough. design the helmets with, like, random holes in the top of something. Just one aesthetic hole in the top, and yeah. that's it. It was gone. I mean, maybe to, like, you know, insert some, like, decoration or something. Yeah, exactly. But no, they were fine. Good. But yeah, so they're dying of thirst. They're throwing up and dying on hallucinogens. Their pack animals are dead. They're carrying everything on their backs. And if anybody tries to run away or pick a different path, they're killed by Parthians. Fun. One night, all hell breaks loose. The Roman camp, everybody starts looting. The soldiers start stealing from each other. They start killing anybody with water or food or anything to try and just get it so that they can survive. Everything is in absolute chaos. Mm -hmm. And Antony himself made plans for his servant to kill him if it came to that, so that he wouldn't be captured alive. Yeah, yeah, at this point, at the, yeah. <laughs> at this point, that's what you do. Yeah. Oof. Oof. Fortunately for Antony, when the dawn came, all the soldiers realized that, yeah, we've killed a lot of people and there's a lot of chaos, but we're still far from home and... We're still all going to die here if we don't get a move on. So yeah. I guess we should sort of get into marching order and at least keep it up a while longer. Yeah, I mean, at this point, not like just for your own sake, right? Yeah. You want to get home, so you better try to get home. We're also told that Antony often shouted, Oh, 10,000 in his admiration for Xenophon. If you remember from Artaxerxes II's episode where Xenophon and his Greek mercenaries marched from Mesopotamia all the way to the sea in this massive expedition that, in the end, they succeeded, but with a lot fewer casualties than Antony, because Antony is not in a good place. Yeah. But in the end, he made it back. As you could have expected, this is not where the story of Antony ends. It has another character in it. Oh, I wonder who that could be. I, I, you know, Mark Anthony clearly is the more important person here, right? There's nothing in the story. It'll all be fine. Clearly unremarkable. Mm-hmm. But Antony makes it back through Armenia. And according to legend, spent many days crying in the arms of Cleopatra after he made it back because everything had gone so, so terribly. Antony had lost seven more legions. 35,000 men had been killed. Anthony, One where are my legions? <laughs> yes. But he's gone to be consoled by Cleopatra because, mm. well, somebody has to be capable in this relationship. They're there. Baby they're man. They're there, pat pat. Baby man, parentheses, derogatory. <laughs> yes. But it turns out that Antony did at least get his revenge on the king of Armenia, who had betrayed him by running away and leaving him without guides. Yeah, you know. Because under the pretext of a marriage alliance, he invited him to a grand wedding, and he was later executed. With the son, by the way, fleeing to Frates, just in case he needed a puppet king. Who knows? And at the same time, we have the famous Donations of Alexandria serial. When Antony and Cleopatra crowned Caesarion as ruler of the world, mm -hmm. of course. But they also crowned their son Alexander Helios, Alexander the Son, 
as king of Armenia, Media, Parthia, and any other country between the Euphrates and the Indus. Because that's a thing that they can do, apparently. Yeah, I guess. Who cares <laughs> anymore? Just decide. You know, just yeah. go for it, it's fine. Yeah. And after having given the Roman East to Egypt a vassal kingdom, Octavian decided that maybe it was time for war against Antony. And maybe. voila, the civil war began. But back at home, it seems that the king of Media Atropatene, this vassal kingdom that uh, Antony had invaded, had become annoyed at Phraates for some reason, we're not sure what, but maybe how the spoils of war had been divided, or some other grievance. So we're told that he forged an alliance with Antony by arranging a marriage between his daughter and Mark Antony's son, Alexander. And in exchange, Antony left a few soldiers to protect Media, but they were very quickly expelled by Phraates, who just said, no, we did this once, you're not going to do it just because my crappy vassal king says so. Oh, by the way, you're deposed. So, yeah, Phraates came, took back Media, imprisoned its king. Hooray! Also, while he was in the area, he installed his own puppet king in Armenia, so that's back in the empire again, thank goodness. But in the meantime, there was something happening to the West Serial. Do you want to go have a look? If you follow me through this door and into these bushes, <laughs> oh, we'll be able to go and uh, and have a look. Quickly. Oh, oh my God! Oh. Okay, okay, wait. Shh, shh, shh. Next year, Jamie, yeah. Octavian invades Egypt. Antony and Cleopatra commit suicide. And the, uh, the big famous story that I'm sure you yes. know. Hey, Serial. Yeah, definitely. Serial. They should make a film yeah, about so it. Look at the, this. The what snake, the whole snake. I don't know. They're the, talking about the bad the, guys. They're just a snake. So, so Jamie, can you hear someone? I, I can hear someone. Uh, no. Hide. Hide. Serial. Out of the way. Who are you? Behind the column. Behind the... What? Right, you two. What are you two doing? Get out behind that bush. Uh, uh, we're just uh, we're just tourists. We 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 came to see your. We were in the yeah. neighborhood. Uh, Heard you had an empire. You, you know. You do realize this is this is Roman emperor's totalis ranking. Yeah, it's our patch. I thought I thought it was the Roman yeah. Republic. Did we did we skip yeah, what do you, skip a what beat? Do you mean emperors? It, uh, do we mess up? No, no, no. This is this is Augustus. This yeah. is episode one. Oh. It, to be honest, I'm oh. quite shocked you've turned up because this is the second episode we've ever recorded and no one's listening to us. Yeah, we haven't even published. Yeah, we had trouble with the time machine. It, it was weird, but uh, yeah, yeah we are uh, we just uh, came to say hi. You said emp- emperors. You, uh, should we be more worried about the Romans than we already are about the Romans? I, I, am- I think it's fine. We stopped them once. They're never going to attack Tezaphon. Tezaphon is nice and secure. Uh, oh, the emperors okay. are, are here to stay. Don't you guys worry. Uh, oh, yeah. We have got a lot of episodes left. Damn. We've just started. Okay. Yeah. Until Augustulus, I guess, and then you're done? <laughs> oh, 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 no, no. We've not told anyone yet, but we're going to the end. Ooh, okay. Glad to have this exclusive right here. Yes. I think we might have to stop before yeah. you. Oh, yeah. We'll run out of track, but hey. So, uh, uh, you guys, you're, you're covering what exactly? Uh, we're doing Persian King of Kings. I, I think that's <laughs> sort of like an emperor, but like uh, a bit higher up, I suppose. Oh, oh. the yeah. Persians! Oh, that's funny. I'm sure. I'm sure they're interesting in their way. Well, I've seen three hundred. It's it's a bit like that, isn't it? It's probably like yeah, that. Yeah, it's mostly it? accurate. Yeah. Actually, uh, yeah, um, I think you're right. 
You should maybe you should just listen to our episodes and then you can well, find out. Well, well, I would, but we've got our own series to record, yeah. and uh, I don't want to be rude, but you have just kind of barged in, and uh, uh, well, we've got is... a time limit. We've only got several years to cover all the emperors, so yeah. if you, uh, if you, I don't know. And you actually, yeah, I, uh, I'm very sorry. I, we, we should right. probably we'll, just we'll go, go back our our way. So G- good luck with your thing. Hope uh, you get uh, to the end. Thank you. Great, great. Good luck Cheers. With yeah. Empire. Yeah, yeah. We will. Yeah. We will. Okay. okay. Bye. Seriously, Jamie, we need to sort out the fact that you have built that time machine door in this office. I know. It's really frustrating. I know. It keeps going off. Last week. Had, every time had, we try and record. Yeah, I had the bloody Viking one in. Saga thing. Yeah, right. Okay, right. Where were we? Um, um, snakes. Ah, yes, of course. Um, undisputed leader. Right, okay. So, in 27 BCE, Octavian gives up his power, only oh. to get it all back again. Hey. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I am mildly concerned now. I Yeah, I think I think stuff happened, but uh, I'm sure it'll be fine, Serial. Don't worry. They're, the Romans are nothing if not reliable. Sure, sure. Um... I something tells me I I don't know I just they can't stop being a problem and I I thought it would be just funny with Mark Anthony because he's obviously f-ing up but like I this new guy um I don't I'm 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 not sure no 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 Sarah so it's okay actually I have this piece of paper it says that um. What's his name? Gaius Julius Caesar Octavian Augustus, son of the god, father of the homeland, first man of the senate, pontifex maximus, imperator, consul 13 times, world of the tribunal authority, and personal owner of Egypt. He's restored the republic. It's great. Everything is going to be fine. Oh, uh, Umberto. Uh, I, I, you know what? Sure. It will be yeah, fine. Yeah, it's great. Let's just continue. Yeah. Yeah, never again will ambitious men tear Rome apart for their own pursuit of absolute power and their own petty ambitions. They're a great republic, unlike the despotic eastern kings who, who, you know, they carry down power through their families. That's gross. But yay, republic restored. Mission accomplished. Hooray. (laughs) Okay, but on Frati's side, everything seems to be pretty good. He's deposed a rebellious vassal. He has Armenia again. He's destroyed another Roman army. Always good to put on your CV. Mm-hmm. But there's something that doesn't work at home. We're told, and it's unclear where this guy comes from, but that there's a pretender, a man called Tiridates, who okay. decided to start a rebellion against Phraates right. and try and take the throne. What do you mean? A, a pretender as in, like... It's... A pretender as in, like, he wants the throne. Okay, he is probably an Arsacid, but we don't know his family relationship. Right. A rival, essentially. Yeah, a rival. A choice, at last. Yeah. <laughs> for these nobles, you know, who were like, yeah. this guy. Mm. Yeah. And well, someone else is given a choice because both Phraates and Tiridates send a letter to Augustus saying, hey, by the way, I'm the legitimate king of Parthia. You'll be dealing with me in all future correspondence. Don't listen to the other guy. He's just an imposter. And Augustus decided to not answer. He was like, whatever you guys are going through, just solve it. This is sure. I, I'm dealing with other stuff right now, but thanks for the offer. And like you mentioned, it looks like originally a lot of the nobles sided with Tiridates, but it seems like it was mostly the Western nobles, the nobles in control of Mesopotamia and all that. 
presumably after Frates had deposed one of their own, the vassal king of Atropatene. Hmm. They're deciding that maybe they want some change. But Frates flees to the east. And who do we have in the east? It is the lovely Suren family of Sakastan with all the lovely Saka people that are living there. And it seems like the eastern nobility actually supports Frates. They think that he'd been doing a perfect job. You know, everything has been fine on their side. And, well, it's about time that somebody had shown those uppity western nobles what's going on. So Frates gains a whole army led by the Suren family and is just ready to take back his kingdom. And it seems that it was very quick to retake it because he marched against Tiridates and a lot of the nobles that were kind of on the fence waiting to see how it played out decided immediately to abandon the uh, usurper and just go back to the original king and say, we're really sorry, please don't kill us all. We know what you do to your rivals. So yeah. But then Tiridates, well, if he's without a kingdom, where do you think he's going to run? To Rome. Yes. He ran all the way to Augustus saying, please, Mr. Rome, can I have some help? Oh, by the way, here's Frati's youngest son. I kidnapped him while I was in the capital. Oh my god, what? You could use him as a hostage. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. What? Excuse me? Just picked up a spare son on the way. It's fine. So yeah, that was fun. That's that's inter- that's going to be fine and okay. And well, Frates sent Jessica over to Augustus to say, mm. "Hey, listen, can we have the traitor and my son back?" Yeah, like, we do you want like to get into this like mess, or can we just like you know do the thing? Because yeah. he's not of royal blood to begin with. He's just like. He just decided to do this. Yeah. He's a traitor to my empire. Do you, you know, like, you understand, surely. Also, that is my actual son. I kind of need him. Yeah. Well, what do you think Augustus does? Do you think Augustus accepts? Augustus is like, I am now the savior of the world. Let's deal with Persia, I guess. Augustus... Apparently isn't yet feeling okay, like good. the god Augustus. He is still... So he's reasonable. Yeah, he's being reasonable. Does he hand him over? Well, he says, listen, Tiridates put himself under my protection, so I'll protect him. He is in my territory now. If he goes in your territory, free to do whatever. But he's in my territory, so I'll mm. keep him. <laughs> I'll keep him here in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As for your son... Remember those seven eagles from Crassus that you got? Oh, uh, yeah. Would you mind sending them over? We don't have... We, we can discuss it. We'll, we'll talk about it. It'll be fine. But, uh, you know, when the Tiridati situation is solved, maybe we could do a swap? Mm, that's... I mean, this is not ideal. And it is Tiridati's fault that Rome mm. can now demand this. And I hate that. And if I, he ever gets within reach... We will kill him very slowly and painfully. But this is very smart of Augustus, and also we need the son. So, fair, I guess. If we want to, like, not have a whole conflict. Yeah. Well, the negotiations drag on for a while. Of course. They drag on for so long that while Phraates was fighting the vassal king of Karakine, 
he finds that, oh no, Tiridates is in Mesopotamia now. Oh. And he has an army of renegade nobles trying to attack us again. So he left Rome? Yeah. Oh, cool. And, well, Tiridates takes a few cities in Mesopotamia and printed coins that read Friend of the Romans on them. So maybe Augustus wasn't as neutral as he was yeah. making it out to be. Maybe some secret cash went into Tiridates' pockets. Saying, Damn it, Tiridactyl. Hey, just in case. I hate this. <laughs> yes, Tiridactyl. Not okay. Yeah. Also, things are going so badly that Tiridates got close enough to Phraates that Phraates' harem was almost captured. Oh my god. So Phraates had to take some drastic action. Yeah, that is to pretty close. To ensure that it didn't fall into Tiridates' hands. Yeah. <sighs> to make sure that he could ride away with his army and fight back, he made sure to kill every single member of his harem I, again, so they would not be captured. I, gee, oh. <laughs> yeah. How does this help us? Well, it's less baggage to carry. Run they away. You can't use this as a weakness if there's no weakness to use. Yes, you can't burn my house on if I burn it first. Yeah, this has this, this energy. I'm sorry, but like, I don't, like, what is yeah. the point? Do you just, like, not care about these things? I don't know. Yeah, no. As we've seen, Frates doesn't care about the health of his family. Yeah. This is not like, oh, I'm burning my possessions. Like, this is... I. You can't use my family to to trick me if I kill them all. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yes. Um, um, Okay, well, Well, sure. Yeah, as somebody said, he has the hammer and tongs to make more. Someone's getting truck factors points. Yeah, definitely. He's working hard for that. Hmm. But apparently, murdering most of his family gave Ferratis an edge because he was able to wheel around and defeat the usurper Tiridates and force him to run away to Rome again. I thought that you would want to defeat your opponent because in the end, if you lose, like, not only would you lose the empire, obviously, but, like, your family will suffer and you, you know... Eh, You can make another one. It's fine. (laughs) I... um, Sure. (laughs) It's easy, Sekhriel. You just make a new family. You're just making it sound so difficult. Okay, so we won. (laughs) Right. We won. Great. Also, Tiridates escapes and goes all the way to Spain. So that's fun. He can leave. (laughs) And apparently his son later became a Roman citizen with the name of Gaius Julius Tiridates. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And we have his tombstone because he died in battle (sighs) commanding Parthian auxiliaries uh, in the Roman army. So that's fun. Cool. Uh, I mean, that makes sense. You'd probably be able to like connect with them, speak their language and such. And they are in the Roman army. So it's not like they're going to be like, you're a traitor. Yeah. Cool. So nice. I have no beef with him. I have beef with his father. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone is a terrible person. It's the past. Mm. Get ready for more terribleness, Serial. Or rather, somewhat terrible. Because, well, remember those negotiations with Rome? Well, now we've gotten them. Now we've actually figured something out. Because in the meantime, it looks like both Rome and Parthia understood that, okay, we've tried to kill each other 
it's not working. Yeah. I guess we better try and coexist and normalize relations. Also, because remember, throughout Crassus and Antony, there still hasn't been a peace treaty signed. Mm. Like, officially, the two countries are still at war. Right. They haven't done anything, but <laughs> oh technically. <laughs> yeah. This is kind of relevant. Like, I don't, someone should get around to that. Yeah. Well, first of all, it looks like the Armenians became unhappy with their Parthian-friendly king and asked that his brother, who was a Roman puppet, be put on the throne. So Augustus sent his adoptive son Tiberius to make sure that the new king in Armenia was replaced. Hmm. So Armenia is again a bit of a middle ground. It's being ping-ponged back and forth. But as we saw, Augustus still has a kidnapped prince. Right. And well, in exchange for a peace treaty... Finally, finally, Augustus agrees to return the kidnapped prince to Phraates. Phraates formally returns the lost eagles. Okay. And whatever prisoners they still had from the expedition of Crassus. Oh my god, so we, like, they ask for more stuff. Yes. And, well, how do you think it works out? Did we get the child? The the person? The the, the child is, is on offer. It's, give us the child, and in exchange we want eagles and prisoners, and we can also have peace. I mean, good to have peace. We did we defeat Pterodactyl? Yes, he's defeated Okay, now. yeah, then... This is just after defeating him, when everybody's calmed down and can discuss Yeah, things. then peace sounds wonderful. Not super happy with having to give the, all of that back, but for not getting into another war? Fair. If, you know, the Romans, like, respect that, if anything means anything to them, because, like, they usually are like, oh, well, we just, uh, my dog ate my homework. Um, (laughs) Yes. Well, everybody has agreed that, yes, we've been at war for a long time. Let's make peace at last. And this is a good deal for both sides, because Frati's gets an important prince back under his control, and also, importantly, he's not at risk of becoming a Roman puppet. We don't want that. And at the same time, the Romans have recognized Parthia as an equal empire, because the Romans don't make treaties of peace. The Romans make you a subject and then keep going. This is Rome accepting that, yes, Parthia is a thing, Parthia is here to stay. Yeah. So that's important. Good. And at the same time, Augustus gets a massive PR boost with having avenged the shame of Carre without even having to lose a single man. Yeah, yeah. He succeeded where Crassus and Antony failed. True. He has the eagles back and Rome's at peace now. I love that he's taking all the credit of like, oh my god, I did this. And it's all because of this f***ing dude (laughs) who went to Rome after trying to usurpate, like... Yes. I... My brain... Yeah. And Augustus is really proud of this achievement because, Cyril, do you know the famous statue of Augustus? The one where he has all the elaborately decorated armor? Right, the one that was painted? Yeah, that one. Yeah. Well, at the center of that armor, there is a Parthian man handing back the eagles to Rome. Of course he would be proud of this because, like, (laughs) nobody before him, like, managed to get them back. Because why would we give them back? Because this is so shameful. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> but Tiridates had to happen. I don't even blame Phraates. Like, this is Tiridates' fault. I yeah. yeah. <sighs> I um, 
I wish I could bring him back to life just to torture him and kill him again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not me, like, I don't, obviously, I would never. But if I were Frates, I'd just... Oh, boy. Yeah. This is going to cause us so <laughs> many problems. Really just because this guy was like, I want to be king. Yup. And also, Augustus, since he's so pleased with this peace deal, he introduces a little sweetener to it. He gives Frates the present of... A human person. What? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> yes. It's a human uh. person. <laughs> well, he tells Frates, Listen, I heard that you killed your entire harem. Mm, love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. About that. Sorry that happened. Here's an Italian slave girl. You Have can fun. restart one. <laughs> you can restart. Not- Have a good time. Oh, this is not how things work. Yeah. The slave girl is a woman called Musa, who some suggest was placed as a Roman spy by Augustus or as a means to stabilize the succession. But it just might be that she was just a random girl that Augustus picked up and decided to send halfway across the world to this 60-year-old man. So fun, fun times all around. And, well, it looks like Frati's appreciated the gift because... He made his new concubine pregnant, first of all. And after she gave birth to a little baby boy, a son called Fratakis, which means little Fratis. It's basically Fratito. Fratito. Fratito, Uh yes. Fratis made her a fully-fledged queen. Not only that, but his favorite primary queen over the other four queens that he had. Something that... Probably annoyed Augustus because none of the Roman sources mention Musa existing. Damn. Yeah. We only get it through collateral information from a Jewish source and from coins. Hmm. Interesting. Because, yeah, the Romans are miffed, let's say. Hmm. And also their relationship is quite interesting because Frates is characterized as doing everything that Musa told him, which could be a trope, you know, in the line of Cleopatra and all that. But also it might be that this... 60 to 70 year old man was like really smitten and decided to just lean on the attractive and intelligent Musa who had just arrived at his court. But then in 10 BC, as Frati's getting on in years, he starts to think about the succession. Can you remember what happened at Frati's succession when he gained the throne the first time? Oh, he killed all his potential rivals, eh? uh, his brothers. Yes. Well... He doesn't want all his sons to die. Yeah, obviously. He's getting soft in his old age, you can tell. The ones that he hadn't killed himself, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So he starts thinking, okay, well, how do I make sure that my sons don't all kill each other? How do I make sure that they survive and I get to choose an heir that will succeed? Well, he gets a suggestion from his wife, Musa. Musa says, listen, how about... You just send all your adult sons to Rome. Once they go to Rome, with their families and all that, they won't try to usurp you because they're far away. They won't try and kill you like you maybe killed your father. And when you're feeling poorly, when you're at the end of your life, you can just call Mm. your favorite one of them back to Parthia, make him succeed, and hey, your other sons get to live. What do you think? Well, Frates thinks, yeah, that's a good idea. Mm. That's not bad. I mean, we've recently made peace with Rome. Looks like 
relations are normalizing, everything is fine. Okay, fine, I'll send my sons to Rome. And so, off go all of uh, Frati's adult sons, not Frataki's, because he's just a baby, he's still growing up. But all these Parthian princes arrive to Rome, and guess who's happy about that? Augustus. Augustus makes a huge deal about the fact that these Parthian princes are there. He makes a massive altar of peace, and on it he has reliefs showing these Parthian princes coming in supplication to Rome because they recognize the might and power of Rome, and they now know who is their true master, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Well, it was mainly for, you know, he doesn't tell that to the Parthians. It's mainly for domestic consumption. Sure, sure. But, you know, he has a new PR victory. Augustus is good at PR. Great. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so these princes live in luxury for a while in Rome. For and... a while. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And yeah, it looks like Augustus took every opportunity he could to show these princes. So whenever there's a public event, he had those princes behind him mm. so he could show see, himself, hey, look. Look who's the bot. Look, I have I have some princes. Oh, have you seen my princes? Oh, meet them. Oh, it's God. Great. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This gives me such primal ickiness. To the, <laughs> just, ugh. Yeah. Yeah, in the meantime, for the next few years, we hear that everything is mostly fine in Parthia. There may have been a brief pretender called Mithridates for a few years, but whoever he was, he didn't really last very long. It was just... A quick thing, nothing too bad. It was meh. We also get some reports of problems with the Jewish population of Babylon, which was very consistent. And now that the kingdom of Judea is sort of ceasing to exist as a Roman puppet, the populations are moving around. Because we're told that apparently a Jewish noble from Babylon fled with his relatives and soldiers and tried to find refuge in Syria, leaving all his lands behind. So presumably it was something serious. But it might just be that he was supporting this guy, Mithridates. So, who knows? Hmm. But then we get that, well, Phraates is getting old. He's getting sick. Age is catching up with him. I mean, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. But he is, um... He's also noticing that his son, Phraates, Fratito, <laughs> is close to becoming 16, so soon he'll also have to be sent back to Rome. And oh, Lofratis is starting to think about what decision do we want to make? Who should succeed me? Yeah, because he's, like, losing all of the heirs to sending them to Rome. Yeah, I mean, that was the plan. He's yeah. meant to just call one of them back, and we'll see how that goes. Yeah, but I, I mean, call me paranoid, <laughs> but I don't know how that's going to go. You know, why don't you trust the Romans, Cyril? This works listen. perfectly under the Seleucids. Remember Demetrius? It was perfect. <laughs> why don't you trust the Romans, Cyril? <laughs> they are just so trustworthy. Them, yeah, of course. Honest. Well, we're told that in 2 BC, Pratis had a bit of a conversation to try and discuss who should succeed him. He's there with his primary wife, Musa, and uh, his... Son who's going to leave soon, Fratakis. Hmm. So Fratis is there. He has this nice diadem. He's all ready to discuss this. He takes a bit of medicine because he's a bit sick. He's not feeling great. Oh, no. The fact that you're mentioning that. I Nope. 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 <laughs> tastes funny. Uh-huh. The medicine, you <laughs> medicine say. Funny. Mm. Yeah, medicine tastes funny. <clears throat> so he coughs once. He yeah. coughs twice. Yeah. Then falls to the ground, clutching at his throat. 
Did he get to call someone back? Like, did he get to make a decision? Serial, the last thing he sees before the light fades from his eyes is his beloved wife, Musa, the slave he was gifted, yeah. taking the diadem off his head and placing it upon her brow. I mean, first of all, power move. Love her. <laughs> Girl boss. Go. Awesome. But... Uh, this is very much like, ooh, evil woman. Like, how, he died. Who told us? Who told us that's the last thing he saw? Like, I mean, who Sarah, wrote this remember down? Remember who gave the suggestion to send all the sons of Frates from other wives to Rome? Who is the only woman who has a son still yeah. in Parthia? Yeah, yeah. I know. But, like, couldn't she wait until... Well, I guess he wouldn't have, like, appointed him as the yeah. heir. So she wanted to He would have sure. picked someone else, so... Yeah. But also she yeah. is... Well, she's not Roman, but she came from Rome, so... Yeah, it's difficult to understand from the name where she was from. We're told she was an Italian slave girl. Yeah, I... This is very, like, evil woman in her evil plans. But it makes sense. So you know what? Every source we have tells us that she was there. And also, yeah, she is one of only three women to ever rule Iran in her own right. <gasps> I love her. So next Let's episode is going to be go. the slave who became a queen. Oh my god, we get a queen? Let's yes. She go. Yes. is queen of the kings. She queen of the kings? I copyright infringement. <laughs> but oh yes. Yes. I am so yes. yes. Like I said, gaslight gatekeep girl boss. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, I can't wait for next episode. That's awesome. Yes. She is amazing and I love her. And I'm really excited for the next episode because, because stuff. Because come on, we have a woman queen. on the throne, Serial. Oh god, yeah. Also, based on coinage, it's unclear if we have to call her Queen of Kings or Queen of Queens. Because the Greek doesn't really distinguish <laughs> at the plural. So mm, yeah. I see. But hey, call her whatever you want. Queen of the Kings, Queen of Queens. We have one. Oh, Queen of Kings, because the rest are... Kings, so that's the way I would go, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Queen of uh, Queen of Monarch of Monarchs. Monarchs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's your title on Discord, Monarch of Monarchs. <laughs> All right, so are you ready to rate Frati, Serial? I guess. Yeah, let's do it. Very well. This was an exciting episode. Yeah. So our first category is final moments. How interesting was his death? What a twist. What Murdered a twist. by his wife Excellent. who took his throne. Mostly because of her. <laughs> yes, of course. She is amazing. Like, like not ah, just by the fact that she is a woman, love. but also like by the fact that, yeah, this makes perfect sense. I was going to be like, hmm, this is very like, you know, murderous woman. But like, it is, whenever a woman is framed this way, like the reasons make sense in the sense of, oh, I want my son to succeed or my like i did not expect her to be like no 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 like of course i want my bloodline to continue but i am first i will be the queen Just me <laughs> yeah i mean she was gifted as an object to this man i know i know and she has killed him <laughs> and taken his place so I like should her. Frates get the points or should she get the points? Because like... I mean, it's a good death. I feel like we gave Bardia points when it was Darius's doing. I feel like Frates fair, deserves fair. the points yes. here. So I am... Um, it's good. 
we don't have a huge amount of detail, but I'm I'm floating around a seven. Sarah, what are you what are you thinking? Yeah, I like it. I'll go for an eight. I am excited. I am like this Fair is enough. the best like <laughs> the best kind of death is one that is like out of the ordinary and interesting for the king that we are talking about, but that also sets up a great cliffhanger for the next episode. In my opinion. That's I am adding this now to the Yes, you have convinced me, actually. I'm happy with that. Yeah. I'm also going to go for an 8. So with an 8 and an 8, we get an 8 out of 10 for final moments. Our next category is Battle Hardness. How good was he at war and fighting? He has a lot here. He has a prolific career because, well, he defeated Antony. Antony was isolated. 35,000 Romans died. He almost decided to kill himself because everything was going so wrong. We had a bunch of hallucinogenic Romans rolling stones in the desert going yeah. mad with thirst. <laughs> so we did that. That was very good, very impressive. Mm -hmm. Also, when the king of Media Tropatene rebelled, Frates deposed him. He also marched into Armenia and placed a king in, in Armenia. When Pterodactyl, or Pterodactyls... <laughs> yeah, stop... I... Yes. If you continue calling him that, that will be the only name that makes it into my memory. Yes. And I won't be able to speak to any historians about it. Yes. <laughs> yes. When Tiridates started a civil war, Phraates lost at the beginning, but managed to retake the west of his empire with forces. So that went well. When Tiridates also invaded through Mesopotamia, Phraates was a bit on the back foot at first, but then managed to defeat him again and consolidate the empire. Hmm. Overall, I think it's quite an impressive career. It's not, it doesn't have anything super flashy. The empire isn't expanding. It was mostly defensive wars. Mm -hmm. All those defensive wars were very well conducted and they all worked out. Yeah. So yeah, I'm on the higher side, but I'm not, it's nowhere near a 10, but I'm hovering around seven, eight, that neighborhood. What do you think? Yeah. I think a seven. A seven? Did I disappoint you? Are you going for an eight? I think I'm going for an eight, yes. Yeah, do it. Balance it out. Yeah, because I think that Antony lost as many men as Crassus did. Yeah. I feel like I should give as much as I gave Orodes. Actually, yeah. No, I, you've convinced me. I'll go for an eight as well. Because yeah. why would I go for a seven? Like, there's no reason why I should play. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'd say just a couple points because there's nothing super wow and you yeah. had a couple of moments where he was on the back foot, but otherwise I think it's fairly solid. Mm -hmm. So with an 8 and an 8, we get 16 out of 20 for Battle Hardness. Our next category is scheminess. How good was he at plots and manipulation? I don't think he was well, super scheming. No, he... it wasn't through this that he like did what no. he did. It was... Pretty open. Yeah, exactly. Because even when he became king, he was just appointed king. He then killed everybody, but he didn't start with that. He didn't yeah. just plot to put himself on the throne. He just no, and was, it was king like, in the end. It was his move to like... I always forget this word. Not because I don't know the word, just because my brain focuses on... <laughs> just... He needed to not consummate... Could... <laughs> What does the word mean? To strengthen his claim 
consolidate. Consolidate, that's the word. <laughs> yes. You can see how my brain was like, you know, around the right. <laughs> yes, I see that. But yeah, he needed to consolidate stuff. And so scheminess, what does he do with schemy? He... I don't think... Like, I don't think he went around, like... One point that might be schemy is if the nobles that ran away to Antony were actually double agents, I think that should count for something. Yeah, of course, but we don't don't know know. if they were actual double agents or if they just... Even then, if they were double agents, he did choose to forgive them so he could get the necessary information. Mm. And then... I'd say just one point for that, maybe. No, I'm because in his later this. life, it's mostly just diplomacy. Everything is fine. Everything I'm going for zero. Like I don't like. This is not his strong suit. Okay. Yeah, we'll make it up later. So if we can have a one and a zero, which makes a one out of twenty for skeeviness. Our next category is shock factor. How shocking was this man? Well, plenty. <laughs> this is where he shines. Because he potentially killed his grief-stricken father when he took the throne. That's not cool. He definitely killed all of his brothers and several nobles who opposed him in cold blood, which is a lot. He also decided to kill all of his harem when Tiridates was about to capture it instead of just any other option. He just said... You can't blackmail me with my family if I don't have a family. And he killed everyone. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot. And otherwise shocking. So there's a lot of personal shocking. Big political shocking. He gave back Crassus's eagles. That's a bit of a yeah, annoyance. That was, that, yeah. It was not shocking that he did it. Because like I understand why he did it. Mm-hmm. It was sad that it happened. But yeah. it... Yeah. It wasn't just like he decided to do it out of the goodness of his own heart. That would have been shocking. Also, after all of that, he gave a bunch of sons to Rome anyway for free. Yeah. That was more shocking. Interesting choice. Just the wife, the, you know. Yeah, presumably Musa was. Musa had something to do with that. Yeah. So I think there's quite a bit of shocking in his reign. I'm summing the numbers up in my head. I'd say that definitely starting with a five as a baseline. I honestly feel like a seven-ish. That's my starting point. What do you think? I was wondering if to go for an eight, but I feel like... We're shocking. After, I mean, like... He except for his murdering his family. family he like doesn't kill many other people. And his brothers. And like that, I just... <laughs> like, I get it. Different times and, like, royal politics. Like, we've had this before. But it's so intense. Especially murdering his harem. Like, his entire family. Yeah, just why? Like, you didn't have to do... I mean, I, maybe, th- but who, so, what the hell? That deserves, like, at least three points. Because I'm still yeah. like, what? Yeah, I don't think this is, like, full-on Mad King vibes. No, but no, it no. is very strong. I think it I'm, has, like, yeah, slight I think go for an eight, justification. Actually. But, like, so small. Like... Like, it wasn't out of nowhere, which is what would have, like, topped everything. If she just randomly was like, I'm paranoid, I'm going to kill everyone. Like, but what? Yeah. I don't know. I think I'm going for a seven. I'm going actually for an eight. You've talked me up from what I was starting from. But yeah, I think there's a lot of murder, a lot of blood on his hands. And 
Yeah, he seems scary. I would not want to meet this man. So with an 8 and a 7, we get a 15 out of 20 for shock factor. Our next category is Aaron Shine. How good was he for the Empire in general and Iran in particular? Well, he seems to have done a pretty good job. Well, okay, starting from the beginning, despite being chosen just because he was the next in line, yeah, sure, whatever he'll do, mm -hmm. he kept the Empire together for a long time and made sure that everything worked. He stopped Antony's army, he annihilated it, and made yep. sure that Romans would have a holy terror of invading the Empire in the future. So that's very important. He managed to take Armenia briefly under his wing. It fell back out, but, you know, we're still putting our hands on Armenia. That's sure, important. Sure. Armenia yet again. <laughs> yes. He managed to defeat one usurper in Tiridates, certainly. Definitely. And probably that Mithridates later on. So the empire remained stable and well-organized. He also managed to obtain a peace treaty with Rome and full recognition as an equal, which is important. For all future relations, we're no longer, oh, the next kingdom to be conquered. We're now, oh no, the, the Parthians, the, the scary people in the east. Mm -hmm. So he did that. He managed to get relatively good relations with Rome. On the downside, he did still have usurpers. So that makes you question how well things were actually going. Mm -hmm. He thinned the royal line quite a bit by killing all his brothers. And the plan for succession wasn't really his fault, but he has given Rome a lot of useful pawns that now can be used against the Empire. So we'll see if they can be used, but potentially a clever Emperor could do that. I feel like the Emperor is better off. I don't think it's massively better off. I think I'm on a 6 or 7. I'm floating in that space. Hmm. It's not, like, there hasn't been much change. Yeah. Apart from the fact that, like, it's good that whenever instability happened, like, he managed to push it, whether it's, like, usurpers or tension with Rome, like, mm -hmm. he managed to deal with it, but, like, it wasn't for better or for worse. It was just, like, some points for not letting it go worse, but I don't think much went, like, I feel like the deals with Augustus, that was I think bad. they ca actually that they was... cancel out. I feel yeah. like the recognition cancels out with the yes. giving a bunch of princes yeah. over. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, eh. so I think I'm going to go for a five. He yeah, kept just, the ship just, steady. Yep. And it worked. I agree. But yeah. So with a five and a five, he gets a 10 out of 20 for Aaron Shine. Our next category is Face of Faces. What do you think this man looked like? Oh, well, give me a moment. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Okay, fair. Go for it. Okay, so Cyril has finished their drawing, and let's see what they chose to portray for our lovely Rati's four. <laughs> it will make no sense to anybody who hasn't listened to the episode. <laughs> yes, I love it. First of all, let's describe Frates. He's there in his typical Parthian robes. He has a nice long beard, long hair, a diadem. He has the royal wart, which is quite important. Mm -hmm. And he has a face full of fury with a star in his eye, and he is strangling a pterodactyl in front of him. <laughs> showing just, us what happens to Tyrodotes, because no, bad, just, what I are you doing? I just wanted an excuse to draw a funny pterodactyl. <laughs> It's a good pterodactyl, so yeah, I appreciate it. 
And it shows you all you need to really know. I mean, who doesn't think of pterodactyls when they think of Frati's the Fourth? It's of course. very simple. So, yeah, if all you lovely listeners would like to see this, you can either go to the website by going to Cyril's Portrait Gallery or by pressing the link in the description of the episode to get to the show notes. We'll be able to see this lovely pterodactyl being strangled by an angry, angry man. All right, so now, Serial, let me show you what he actually looked like, and you can tell me what you think. Here we go. Oh, cool. Oh, I like the, the bird. Like, I don't know if it's supposed to be decoration or if it's, like, hanging from the diadem or if it's, like, a, a, something in the back, like a... From my understanding, it's a representation banner. of the god Verethragna. Ooh. Which is bringing victory and cool. all that. Cool, cool. So we have this profile of a man with somewhat narrower like face than previous, but it's also like everything is kind of narrowed. Like if someone had taken the drawing and like yeah, squished it, weird. which is funny. But yeah, with a somewhat prominent nose and big eyes and the wart on his forehead and a diadem and wavy hair in the usual... It's very funny to me that, like, the style of, like, hairstyle and robes and such has been, like, the same for generations. Oh, yeah. That feel, that I've, I, so that's kind of wild. I mean, I, I mean, know that, like, things king go faster looks like. now, but... Yeah, I, I, I feel like it's, like, being dressed in a suit. Like, that's what an official person looks like, and it's been like that for a hundred years, and so... It's sure it's changed a little bit, but not unless you know that. Yeah. And a beard, you know, somewhat pointy beard, kind of like what was seen before. But like, yeah, there's this mm-hmm. like image of a bird behind him, which, you know, kind of cool to be represented on a coin along with God. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. I'm not terribly impressed, I will say. Yeah, I mean, feel like this is... The bird is something new, but yeah, yeah okay. The, the bird is cool, but otherwise he's fine. Yeah. I'd go for like a four or a three. Yeah, I was also thinking three or four. I'm going to go for a four just because of the bird. <laughs> I'll go for a three then. The bird saves you. Good, sir. Okay, so with a four and a three, he gets a 1.8 out of five for Face of Faces. Amazing. Incredible. Our next category is lengthiness. How long do you think this man ruled? 40 years. Very close, actually. Yeah, I mean, he started when he was 40, and he died when he was about 80, so... Yeah, that's good math. So yeah, he ruled for 36 years, from 38 BC to Serial 2 BC. We're almost across the line, Serial. We're almost across. (laughs) And we get to cross the line with our first woman ruler. It's It's so cool. So cool. I am... Oh... And she might also be our middle episode, which I love. Like, from slave to queen. Let's go. Oh, she still goes higher, don't worry. <gasps> what? What do you mean? <laughs> higher than queen? <laughs> like, higher than empress? What? Yes. Wait. Yes, she does. Is she, like, proclaim a goddess? Like, I am... What, it, what is happening? Well, you'll have to tune into oh next episode. I am so hyped. <laughs> yes, Musa, my love. And her name is Musa. Come on! (laughs) So, well, these 36 years give us a 3.6 out of 5 for lengthiness. 
And this all takes us to the final score, which is to say a grand total of 55.4 out of 100, putting him in the exclusive 50s club, which places him just under his father, Orodes II, and just above Cyrus the Great, which is an enviable position to be in, and in the company of Cyaxares, Cambyses II, Artaxerxes III. Still below the top five, but... I yeah. think I oh I think he becomes tenth placed, pushing Cyrus out of the top ten, which <gasps> is going to be Oof. very controversial. Hmm. Well, you, you know how we give points in this podcast. Yeah, there's going to be a tournament at the end where we make them fight and choose who the actual best one is. So you know, stay tuned until then. But now we have the final question, Serial, which is to say, is he murderous enough? Repelling Romans enough, having a cool wife enough to be called a Shahan Shah, or is he just a Shahanna? So much happened, but like, I don't know if I care that much about him as a person. Like this period, but it's a good story. like a lot of things happened. But like we were talking about Mark Anthony, we were t- talking about Tiridates, we were talking about like Musa, we were talking about Augustus, and like. I liked the episode, mm-hmm. but I don't know that I care for him as much. I see. I feel like you had that same opinion with his father, <laughs> if I remember correctly. <laughs> well, like, they're not that interesting as people. Like, they didn't do all these things. Like, things happened to them. But, hmm. you know, like, I want to talk I, about his reign, but I don't want to, like, necessarily talk about him and be like, hey, guys. Do you know about this Persian king that, like, did, uh, mm, well, that, like, I mean, he murdered his whole family for, like, apparently no reason. And, uh, and then was, and then was murdered by a slave who had been given to him to make his wife. And then she took the throne. Like, it's never about him. Hmm. I guess. I wouldn't give it to him. You wouldn't give it to him. I don't think he is the most boring with like I think this was an interesting episode. I just don't think I care about him necessarily. Right, him as a person. Um now you're putting me on the spot. Okay, let me put my reasoning into words. I think it was an interesting story, yes. I feel that I ag- yeah, I agree that his agency in it is a bit weird because the invasions happen to him, he deals with them well. But then, uh, I don't know, I think I think the ending is what makes me think, yeah, but this is the, there's the whole Musa bit. Mm-hmm. But then, is that not just Musa's episode? She has a yeah. one. Uh, I will flip a coin. I can't we'll believe... I, well, I am voting no. So even okay. if you get a positive, like... We'll see. If I get a negative, we definitely get a negative. Let me flip my tetradrachm of Volagassis the third. Oh, you just wanted to show off, I see. Yes, of course. Okay, no, fine. Yeah. See, they've All right. spoken. I agree, sure. Well then, sorry, Fratis the fourth. Despite having a very interesting story, you yourself a as a unhinged. person aren't as interesting as we would have hoped. So you have to go off into the desert with Mithridates the fourth and tell him that. Going to the Romans for help is a bad idea. That was not great. But also, now there seems to be a woman on the throne? How is that going to work out? 
Do women have throne powers? How happened? Throne powers. <laughs> throne powers as in angelic powers? <laughs> yes, exactly. So thank you all for listening. This is the end of the episode on Frates the Fourth. We hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. If you would like to support our podcast, please join our lovely patrons, among which we have a new patron called Azda Aga Mohammadi, who has very generously joined us, and thank you very much for being coming over. If you join our Patreon, you will get extra episodes. We just recently released the episode on Tigranes the Great, and we're planning on releasing one on Mithridates the Great of Pontus next month. So if you join, you'll be able to have that. There's Discord, and it supports us going forward. If instead you'd rather not support us monetarily, that's totally fine. But we'd appreciate if you could give us a review on your podcast app of choice to tell other people that, hey, we exist and you enjoy our content. So thank you very much. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so everybody stay tuned for next episode, which is going to be the first woman, Musa, and you figure out what steps there are after Empress. And uh, yeah, so we hope you have a nice week and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.